Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I believe it was two weeks ago, last week, the Lord um, jumped into our service and um, he, 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 he caused some changes to occur. And it's funny the changes that he caused to occur, how we kind of had to preach a whole other message. And out of nowhere, he brought, instead of Luke 7, he added Luke 17 into the picture. And we jumped into Luke 17 on Sunday and we talked about the 10 lepers and, and how one leper came back. And the beauty behind this is his it didn't finish on Sunday. We did not know. We can't make this stuff up. It's, this is, these are things that, like, I, I wish if we met or we spoke, like, man, that was cool how you did that. Like, I know, we're good at, like, creating, like, a way that everything fits together. To be honest with you, no idea that Sunday God was going to speak about Luke 17. And then that was going to be pretty much the theme of going into the fast. And, and for Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, God spoke a very specific word to us in reg- and specific words to us in regards um, to the lepers, the story of the lepers found in Luke 17. And now, we don't have it recorded, so you can't hear it and, and, or none of that. But it was just a special moment how the Lord was giving us this insight on Luke 17. And it really brought a lot of growth. But it's interesting because I had this message about the feet of Jesus and the lepers. And I was like, man, he's going to start us off again in 2019, the, the same way we started in 2018. If you remember 2018, I know it feels like it's such a long time ago already. Not really. That time flies. It doesn't feel like that. But it's not long. But we started the year with, uh, how many of you remember that we started 2018 with Mary and Martha? Okay. We said that Martha was so busy and she started to complain about Mary. And Jesus was like, I'm not going to tell Mary to get up and help you. For, for Martha, you're worried and you're anxious about so many things. But your sister Mary has chosen the one thing. Everyone say one thing. Yeah, that will never be taken away from her. And she found the feet of Jesus. And that's the place where Mary was being transformed and the place where Martha was missing out. And we started the year like that. And then he started us again in 19 with some amazing teachings about about our inheritance, about the shepherd, um, about um, an intimate cry. I mean, it was just a very special three to four days that we spent in Luke 17. So... If you remember two weeks ago from that, we, we spoke about Jesus and he had an encounter as well with, with three individuals. How many of you remember two weeks ago? All right. Nobody. That's awesome. Very, very, very encouraging. You all suffer from my, my sickness. Amen. But just, a few weeks ago, we said that the, maybe this, this would, you guys agree, maybe this would cause some memory to, here we go. We draw some points, and we said that the path of following Jesus is not always easy, and it's not always comfortable. How many of you remember that? All right. Two of you for pity are like, let me just say I remember it. <laughs> it's not always easy and comfortable. How many of you have served the Lord long enough to recognize it's not always easy and comfortable? All right. We said that, yeah, that there's a sacrifice that goes on to it. Number two, we said that it requires full obedience absent of excuses. Amen. How many of you have served the Lord long enough that you recognize that the Lord doesn't do good with excuses? <laughs> doesn't do good with them. Like, did I have an excuse for the cross? Like, no, I didn't. 
That I have excuse for the beatings. No, I didn't. That I have excuse for my nakedness and my shame. I didn't have an excuse. I just had to do it. But nevertheless, Lord, if there's another way, pass this cup from me. He tried to get out of it, but there was no excuse. How many of you know when you're following the Lord, you can try to get out of it. Lord, pass this cup from me. If it's your will, but nevertheless, that your will be done. But there's no excuse. It's not going to happen. Amen. And all God's people said. And then number three, we said that the path of following Jesus is a heart that is fully devoted staying the course there's something about our faith that it's not about finishing first it's just about finishing what you started we live in a world where we always got to be first where we're competitive we got to be the best we got to show the best we got to give the image of the best the heck with all of that no you don't you just got to keep on track and just finish the race that's it just finish the race because the race is a race of perfecting meaning while you are in the race of perseverance, he is in the process of what? Perfecting and completing your life. So you can't run the race like you got there already. You're running this race as if you're getting there every single day. That's the thing, man. We have to make sure we understand that individually and as a church. I'm not going to front anymore on that. That's the reality of what we do and who we are. Amen? So hopefully this new year has been a fresh start for you. And with a fresh start, maybe it's a new perspective. With that, there's some new things, some new habits, and some old habits that you've kicked out the window and all those things that happen with the new years that you never pick up again in a few weeks or a few months. But, but the truth is, in, like today in worship, seriously, guys, seriously, we, how many times have you heard me say this now for about two, a year and a half already or more? You, like, you ha, we ha, like today worship, I believe, I, I, at least me personally, my conviction believes that today worship was very special. But you see, when that happens and when things like that happen, which I do believe it should happen every time we worship, not sporadically, I believe, be, okay, but how many of you, when you could say, yeah, today was special, recognize that, okay, and say, you know, I just have to want it. My, my life just has to want more of him. I just got to get to a place where I, I'm not saying that you're not a sinner and that you didn't have a bad week and maybe, man, you, you, you messed up this week and you fell. Those are, don't start giving me excuses in your mind. I'm talking about regardless of where you're at in life, is there something deep inside of you that, like, even experiencing today, like, you, we have to decide what, what do we really want? Where do we really want to go? Not necessarily just together, but just me even in my time of worship. Where do I really want to go? Do you want it? Amen? Um, we started off the year, kind of ending off last year as go for it again. And we have to just decide, this, is this the church we want to be? Is this the family we want to be? Experiencing moments like we just did where we could just do crazy things like there's not a place where I can't go. Like, like yeah, why not just do things that are different because because. God is beautiful. And God might be doing different things. And God might be moving us different ways. And just, let's just be obedient to him and, um, and be willing to erase things that we have written down. And write new things that he's telling us to write. Amen? Do you want it? Here it is. Ready? No matter the cost, do you want it? No matter the sacrifice, do you want it? Do you want it? Because, because I know what it is to live a life. say, I want it. But as long as, it, because we live in a me world and... And, and, and a self-consuming world. If it works out best for me, then I want it. But if, if it doesn't, you know, then uh, I, don't, I don't necessarily. Like, I, I know that some of my greatest growths in my life has been corrections over my life. And then how I respond to corrections, how I respond to corrections show whether if I really want it. Because my attitude behind that, like, I remember one of my pastors, Pastor Leo, when we first started the church, and he began to, many of you have heard this story. And, and me and my buddy were in the back, and he's teaching, and I'm laughing because, you know when you get that giggle and you can't stop giggling? 
And, I, and, and he was preaching and after service. He says, hey, I want you and so-and-so to come to the office. I want to talk to you guys about something. We thought he was like, yeah, he's going to use us. He's going to ask us to open up a service. He's going to ask us to preach, right? Because, you know, we're very prideful like that. So we sit down in his office and he sits with us and he says, sit down. And we sit down and I'm like waiting for him. And I just, the anointing of God is on you. I see that. So I'm going to use you to preach. Yeah, you know, I'm a young man. And he looks at me and says, listen to me, we're all so funny today in the service. And I say, oh, man, you know, you start laughing, you can't stop laughing. He goes, don't ever sit in one of my services and laugh the whole time. That is so disrespectful to the word of God. Next time you preach, I'm going to sit in the back and I'm going to laugh the whole time and see how it feels. You know, I never, I never, I mean, you can laugh in a service. Everyone laugh at me. But not disrespect laughter throughout the whole service. But you know what I did with that? Did I get offended or am I going to correct that and mature and grow from corrections? That stuff speaks well about you. Amen? That stuff speaks well about you. So, so ready? One more time. Do you want it? <laughs> no matter the cost. No matter the sacrifice. Amen. And, and we said that. One of them said, oh, let me go bury my father first. Excuses. The other one said what? Oh, let me say bye to everyone inside my house. And he said, let the dead bury their own dead. You know, and, and stuff like that. He who, who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Don't worry about the people in your house. Get with me here. <laughs> and he recognized that it was just excuses. It wasn't really because they wanted to bury the father. And it wasn't really because they wanted to say bye. They were giving excuses of, I'll serve you, Lord, but first let me. And, and, and we could all relate to that at some point of our lives. Amen. Luke 14 does a good job. In describing to us another passage and what it means to leave all to follow Christ or to figure the cost out, as one translation puts it. I'm going to read it from Eugene Peterson's translation, the message, just because he words it pretty funny, um, but, but, but pretty interesting. But here it is. In verse 25 through 27, I'll pause 20, and I'm going to read all the way to 32. Luke 14, 25 says, one day, forgive me if it's a little bit different or a whole lot different from, from exactly word by word. It says, one day when large groups of people were walking along with him, Jesus turned and told them, anyone who comes to me but refuses to let go of father, mother, spouse, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even one's own self can't be my disciple. And anyone who won't shoulder, right, pick up the cross, take on his cross, and follow behind me can't be my disciple. We've all read that. In the New King James, it says, whoever does not hate his father, mother, brother, sister, the New King James gets even more aggressive. Because anything, it doesn't mean like, oh, go home and hate, I hate you, mom, because I need to follow the Lord. That's not what that means. That is in the context of that your love for an individual is as if it's hatred compared to your love for me. This is so much deeper that your love here is overwhelmed by your love here. And that's what that phrase means. In the English language, it loses its flavor. Uh, uh, yeah, flavor. And meaning that we automatically think, oh, man, God's calling us to hate. See, it's biblical. <laughs> no, that's not necessarily what that means. But when you read 25 through 27, it's an understanding of that. It's an understanding that our desire for Christ is far above everything else. We all see that, right? That if we're going to count the cost, if we're going to love Christ above all things and bear our cross, we need to what? We need to give up all things. We need to relinquish all unto the Lord. Surrender all to the Lord. And I love how he even says, father, mother, brother, sister, everything, no excuses. You're all in. Count the cost. Do you want it? Amen. Do you want it all? Verse 28, 9, and 30. Is there anyone here, I'm talking to anyone here, who, planning to build a house, doesn't sit first, doesn't sit down first and figure out the cost, doesn't count the cost, so that you'll know if you can complete it. If you only get the foundation laid and you run out of money, you're going to look pretty foolish. And that is Eugene Peterson being very nice. You're going to look pretty foolish. 
Everyone passing by is going to poke fun at you, and this is what they're going to say. He started what he couldn't finish. I'm telling you that this path is not about first place. This path is my goal in life is to finish the race that God has called me to run. It's never for first place. Because as I'm running, I am in first place. If you were here on Friday, I'm his inheritance and he's my inheritance. I've got the trophy in me. I just have to persevere with the trophy in me. So, so very important. We, oh, look at him. He couldn't start something. He, he started something he couldn't finish. We're called to finish. We're called to persevere. We're called to count the cost. We're called to, do you really want this? How do you know whether really someone wants this? They last. They don't just start strong. Many, many people start strong. Many people start big. Many people start with very live. I'm telling you, all these things are very vibrant, very good. But not everyone finishes the race. We're called to finish the race. Hallelujah. If you've been with the Lord for at least 20 years, there's a hallelujah in you. If you've been with the Lord at least 10 years, there's a hallelujah in you. I'm finishing this race. Hey, if you're in it, you might as well just finish it. All right. Should we worship again? Here we go. It says here, verse 31 and 32. Can you imagine a king who goes into battle against another king without first deciding whether it's possible with his 10,000 troops to face 20,000 troops of the other? If he decides he can't, won't he send an emissary and work out a truce? Verse 33, simply put, if you're not willing to take what is dearest to you, whether plans or people, and kiss it goodbye, you can't be my disciple. We are called to have ultimate commitment, perseverance in the faith, accepting all things, accepting the mockeries that come with it, the rejections that come with it. It's okay if the world does not accept you, for it did not accept him. It's okay. He says to his disciples, they first hated me before I ever hated you, so don't make excuses. They hated me first. When we come to the Lord and say, you know, my family, my, 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 they, I'm gonna think I'm going to quit because they hate me. No, the reason that everyone hates you at work is probably the more reason that you have to stay at that job. Because then he comes back to you and says, what, they hated me first. Did you not know that? So we have to be very careful and know the context of Scripture. What does that mean for my life? What does that mean to me, for me in this race? We already, come on, say this, I'm a different person. I am set apart. Good, there's something different in us. Let's count the cost. Let's leave it all behind to follow him again and when? Again. And tomorrow what? And the next day what? And next year what? A life of sacrifice in full obedience to our king, to our beloved. Right? 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 So ask yourself this question. What will it look like in my life if I give from a greater place? What would it look like? I want you to notice this, that I'm not asking where in your life can you receive from a greater place. Because I don't want to just give you a message about constantly receiving and forget to tell you, wait a minute. The greatest place of your receiving might be found in the greatest place of your giving. If you're a giver, you've recognized that the person that is truly blessed is the one that is giving. Anyone ever give and be blessed by giving? So when we give to the Lord and when we pour out to the Lord, what you don't recognize is this is just something that God does supernaturally. That in your giving, there is also this supernatural receiving. And only things like that happen with the Lord. How is it that I could give all of my wealth to the Lord? How is it that I could sell my house and my cars? How is it that I could go to another nation and serve God and live, man, live in poverty? and live? I mean, some people are called to that kind of ministry and that kind of lifestyle. And yet they feel richer and alive than ever before. Ever before. And it's because they've recognized that in my giving my life, I receive more of him. And they recognize that the greatest place of receiving is from the place of giving. And with that, we'll collect offering today. No, I'm just joking. No, I'll do that to you. I will not manipulate this. Okay. 
So let's go to Luke chapter 7. Amen. There's not a place where you can't go. How's everyone's year starting off? Good? Look at the person next to you. Give them a little hug. Shake them up a little bit. And say, I don't know if I told you, but I love you. I love you. If it's your spouse, your partner, you could give them a smooth little kiss. It's good to kiss in the house of the Lord. Amen. You should not kiss your wife in the, in the presence of God. Are you kidding me? The greatest place you could kiss your wife is in the presence of God. Done the world. Hallelujah. All right, let's get back into it before we start all kissing over here. All right, Luke, I saw all the husbands and wives like, Pastor, I go in? Like, I go in right now? You want me to do this? All right, here we go. Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Let's, let's get into it because this is some stuff because I, I wanted to start this, this, this thing off with giving and, then, um, and giving from a greater place, becoming an offering. Becoming an offering. Luke 7. I'm just going to read right through this and then I'll give you some points and, we're out, and I'm out of your way. Here we go. It says here, then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went to the Pharisee's house and he sat down to eat. And behold a, Samarit, behold a woman, forgive me. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus, I love that they just like, like to classify people. She was a sinner. She knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house and she brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. Everyone say alabaster. alabaster. Of fragrant oil, okay. And she stood at his feet behind him, very awkward position, um, weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears. She has not taken out the oil yet. She's washing his feet with her tears. She's washing her feet with part of her. It's, it comes from her. It comes from, from, the, from the inside <laughs> of me. The tears that were in the inside that come out begin to wash his feet. From the inside. From the inside place, the exterior begins to act. So her inside and what was going on within her motivated her to display it outwardly. At his feet. Are you guys with me? Some of us are not motivated to display it at his feet because first needs to be the work from the inside that gets you to that place to display it at his feet. Amen. <clears throat> she began to wash his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hair of her head. Forget the towel. My hair is enough. And she kissed. That right there will tell you the culture, the people, and the kind of hair she had. She did not have my kind of hair. There's no way my hair is drying anyone's feet. Okay. All right. It says here, now when the Pharisees, oh wait, and she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. There you go. Verse 39, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he began to speak to himself and he said this, ready? This man, if he were a prophet, this is all in his mind. How do we know that the writer is saying this in his mind? Because Jesus is about to reveal what's inside this guy's mind. So the writer writes down what Jesus says was in this man's mind. If he were a prophet, he would know who and what manner this woman is that is touching him for she is a sinner. And Pharisee, who do you think you are sitting in front of him eating that nice piece of meat? For Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, right? He said, this is not Simon Peter. He says, I have something to say to you, Simon, a Pharisee. And he said, teacher, then say it. He thought, he thought right? Here we go, come to my office. I have something to say to you. Say it. <laughs> say it. You want me to preach next weekend, don't you? I'm good. You know it. I'm anointed. You want me to preach, right? No, actually, I'm going to rebuke the heck out of you. 
I'm going to correct you because I want to see how you respond. And I want to see if you really want it. I want to see if you really want to count the cost. I know, man, when people are part of the family or not. When I can say, hey, that's wrong, and they accept it and they say, it'll never happen again, I'm going to grow from this. But when they get all uh, uh, and itchy and, uh, and they can't handle it, man, you can't. This is not what we do here. Man, we're here to strengthen. If not, we don't believe that, it's a, that we're, we're, we're iron sharpening iron. Iron sharpening iron can be hurtful and painful, amen? So, so he says, Simon, I got something to say to you. So he says, say it. Say it in front of everyone right now. Say it right now. So Jesus says, awesome. I'm glad you're so enthusiastic about this. Watch me. <laughs> There was a certain creditor, let me tell you a story. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other had 50 denarii. And he said, and when they said nothing which to repay, he, free, he freely forgave them both. So tell me, Simon, which of them will love him more? Oh, he's, he's testing my knowledge. He knows I'm so smart. I'm a Pharisee among Pharisees. So Simon says, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. What do you think that's doing to Simon? He's recognizing that I'm right in front of everyone. Then he turned to the woman, not to Simon, to the woman, and he said to the woman. He turned to the woman, and he looks to Simon, and he says, ready? As he's speaking about the woman, do you see this woman? Simon, I'm, I'm talking about, not you now, this woman. Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with her tears, wiped them with her hair of her head. Verse 45, you have still to give me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased from kissing my feet since the time I came in. You didn't anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil, a.k.a. very expensive oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom, much is, whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So then he said to her, your sins are forgiven, and those who sit at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The whole night that Simon thought was going to be about him, this is very powerful, became about honoring the sinner at his feet. He honors the woman who's behind at his feet, and he doesn't honor the host that's inviting him for dinner. He honors the one that the one's penmanship calls a sinner, whom we know is most likely the town harlot, who uses that perfume to seduce men to come into her chambers. And the Lord at that moment does not and refuses to honor the religious man sitting in front of him, but, but, but honors the sinner. If you were here on Friday, he embraces not just me. He embraces all of me, even my sin. All of me. Amen? I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but we know about Mary, Martha. We know about them, Lazarus, right? Lazarus' sisters. Uh, Martha comes in, Mary's at the feet, Martha's busy, she is stressed out. I believe, I believe this with all my heart. She is filled with anxiety to the point where she can't even breathe. How do I know that? Because if you properly translate that, Martha, Martha, you worry about so many things. He's actually telling her, Martha, Martha, you are filled with anxiety. And your reason for anxiety is because your heart is wrong. You want your service to be recognized and you want others to recognize it with you. But what you don't understand is that your sister has chosen the one thing which is of most importance, where she has left everything behind. She, for, for, she sold her field and she ran to her inheritance. She's the man. She, Mary, for you guys 
that have ears hear this. Mary was the one that the scripture says, what, the parable that says there was a man who had a field. There was a man who found the treasure, and he put the treasure in the field, and he hid it, and he went and sold everything he has, and he came back, and he bought the field because of the treasure in it. Mary was the one that forgot about everything else and went to her inheritance at the feet of Jesus where Martha was missing it. Okay, we know that story. That story is connected with this story. There are two different women. We we confuse this sinful woman with um, even Mary because Mary herself is known to be the woman that also comes. And Mary, the same woman that is at the feet, if you recognize and if you remember, her ministry started at the feet of Jesus. Because Mary was also another woman that begins to anoint Jesus with oil and falls to her feet with tears in her hair. So her, her ministry started at the feet. Later on as her ministry continues, he's teaching at their house and she's still at the feet. I love that, that as she's, as she's progressively growing, she's still at the feet. Are you with me? She's progressively growing, still at the feet of Jesus. So we know this. We know Mary takes on the similar act of this sinful woman. I wish we knew her name and we could stop calling her sinful woman because we've learned already in this church that in glory, her name is not sinful woman. When we get to heaven, hey, Jesus, where's the sinful woman that was at your feet anointing your, your and she's like, that person doesn't exist here. I, I know her by name. Not by her title. She's not sinful woman. She's my, don't you call my, like, that's like you coming to my house and said, where is that obnoxious son of yours? I know he could be, but I call him that. Turn around and get in the car and get out of my house. In, in father's house, he's my son. And, and that's beautiful that, that in my father's house, I don't carry the term sinner. I carry whatever name he gives me. So ready? Where this sinful woman now brings brings forth fragrant oil. I need you to listen to this because I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna teach this thing and I'm leaving. She brings forth fragrance oil from a place called an alabaster box. Everyone with me? She brings oil from an alabaster box. This woman began to pour and anoint his feet with what? Say it again. Fragrant oil from where? Say alabaster one more time. Good. This I had a picture. I forgot to send it to you. I should have. Sentence you could put up. Right, this expensive oil was kept in an alabaster jar, container, box. You with me? Why, why alabaster? Why not cardboard? Eh, well, why not glass? Well, there's a reason why alabaster. Okay, first off, the oil that's inside this container is about a, listen, is about a year's, a year's wage of the average worker. So imagine whatever a year's wage is for you. Whether you make 30000 20000 50000 100000 whatever you make a year, that's how much that thing costs. That's a ex- very expensive perfume oil to be thrown at, at least in the most despicable place in that culture, the feet of someone. And there's a whole other thing with that. but So it's about a year's wage of average worker. Now, now I want you to understand this. Why are people complaining when she's dripping oil at his feet? Why? Because if you know anything about Israel, specifically even the area of Jerusalem, there was widespread poverty. How do we know that? Paul's letters. He thanks the churches outside of Jerusalem for giving money to the churches in Jerusalem. And he thanks them because Jerusalem is very poor. So this woman, being from a very impoverished place, is pouring riches at his feet. And all the people that recognize the poverty says, what is she doing? She could make so much money off that and she could live better. I'm going to ask you what we started with. Do you really want it though? What's the cost? She could be making money off that, but do you want it though? 
Because I know I could be make money off this. I know that I could live off this money. But I'd rather sell all of this, pour all of it out, and go back to my land where my inheritance is. I dug it up in there. My jewels are in there. And his name is Jesus. So, so very, very important. This, everyone say alabas one more time. So ready? Poverty was widespread in Israel. Not only that, but the alabaster, as you just said it, was a stone. Was a specific stone. And why alabaster? Because it was a stone that was commonly found in Israel during this time. I want you to understand this. Alabaster. Say it one more time. You know what? That's today's message. It's titled alabaster. Okay? Alabaster was known as one of Israel's precious stones. Say alabaster one more time. Amen. It was known as one of Israel's most precious stones. Let me take you through a little history um, 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 journey here. In 1 Chronicles chapter 29, we read about something very important to the Jewish person. It's called King Solomon's temple. Did you know that King Solomon's temple, when you read it, it was made of a marvel and of a precious stone which was used to decorate the temple of Solomon. And that stone would be known to you and I today as alabaster king solomon chose alabaster to be the ornament the decoration and the stone that is used to host to hold the presence of yahweh the presence of god is going to be in the container of a temple called alabaster in 1 Chronicles 29, so the woman is coming with oil that is pouring out, and, 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 and Solomon is building a temple for oil to pour in into a container of alabaster called his temple. This is good. This is stuff that. It was a place made for God, for his presence to reside among his people. It was made with precious stone. It was made with this alabaster, and it was a very, to the Jewish person, it was a very important stone alabaster look here's a picture of it just so you can see what, what what this picture looks like i don't know if it's the same exact kind but let's see what he's gonna put there okay there's an alabaster container it's a very important one now i want to so that was first chronicles 29 old testament we see alabaster not only in um first chronicles 29 but i want to read now the song of solomon chapter 5 let me just read verses 10 and on listen to this please because i need to get into this to make my, my main point the, the Shulamite woman who is known as the bride, everyone say the bride. Song of Solomon is important because it really is a bride speaking to her beloved, but it's actually us speaking to our God, to our beloved. So here is the Shulamite woman, the bride, and she's speaking to her groom. She's speaking to her beloved. Pay, pay attention, Denise, Michael, Joshua, and Jeanette for Friday and Saturday. This is a good verse to read um, on the way out of your ceremony to wherever you guys are going to go. Here we go. Verse 10. My beloved, look what she says, is white and ruddy, chief among 10,000. His head is like the finest gold. His locks are wavy, black as a raven. His eyes are like doves by the rivers of waters washed with milk. My goodness. And, and, and fitly set. His cheeks are like a bed of spices. This is what Nancy says about me, you know. Banks of... <laughs> if you know Nancy, it makes it that much funnier. His cheeks are like a bed of spices, banks of scented herbs. His lips are lilies. 
dripping liquid myrrh. His hands are rods of gold set with beryl. His body is carved ivory inlaid with sapphires. Verse 15, do not miss this. His legs are pillars of marble. When you start to look up that marble and you start to study it for what it means. And the ESV does a good way of putting the exact kind of marble. The ESV says it this way. His legs are alabaster columns. My beloved's legs are legs of alabaster. Set on bases of fine gold. His countenance is like Lebanon. Excellent as the cedars. His mouth is the most sweet. Yes, he is altogether lovely. This is my beloved. This is my friend. Oh, daughters of Jerusalem. I am in love with him. So how does his legs look? For you women that love his legs. Don't look at me. I got chicken legs. But... His legs are made of alabaster columns. What are they made of? Say it again. What are they made of? The beloved's legs. The bride is saying about her beloved. The bride is saying about Yeshua. The bride is saying about him. His legs are made of alabaster. That's really weird. That his legs would be made out of alabaster. Or is it not really weird? Because here the bride is speaking of her beloved and he's having these legs of alabaster. The, 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 the study Bible of the English Standard says that the continued description of the man refers to a precious materials that are often used in statues and in the temple. Gold, jewels, ivory, alabaster, cedars from Lebanon. The man is thus clearly the object of great praise in this section and the woman considers him to be altogether desirable. <laughs> This is the, when you read this, listen, this is the surrender of the bride to her beloved. He is the object of great praise. Come on. Do we consider him to be altogether desirable? Do you consider him to say, no matter the cost, no matter the price, I will sell the field and go back to my jewel. Go back to my alabaster legs. I just want to touch his alabaster legs. Is it worth it to you? Come on. Is it worth it to you? All of you start like, yeah, it's worth it. No matter the cost. No matter the price, is it worth it? In Luke 7, all right, and here is, here's my point. I'm going to try my best. In Luke 7, as we read this, or 17, forgive me, I always, is it 7? Okay, 17 was the 10 lepers, forgive me. In Luke 7, this alabaster box would 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 keep whatever perfume, whatever oil in it, the alabaster, the reason why the alabaster container that was up there, the reason why it was so important, let me tell you about alabaster for a moment. Why alabaster? Because alabaster would keep the perfume and the oil that was inside of it pure and unspoiled. Listen, and it was sealed with a wax to prevent the perfume from escaping. So alabaster was important because if, as long as you were with alabaster, you remained pure. As long as you were with alabaster, you, be, you, you, you remain sacred. As long as you were with alabaster, man, you remained holy and unspoiled. So when Mary or Mary or this sinful woman as we know her, we do not know her real name as she's called. When they opened this container of alabaster, everyone say alabaster. The, I want you to know this. It is so strong. When the woman opens it and comes to the feet of Jesus, everyone is drawn back by the smell. It's like my father when he walks into a room. 
When father walks into the room, everyone's like, whoa. I mean, he just, he has, a, I don't know if you guys have ever been to his house. He has a tub and he literally dunks himself in the tub and he comes. <laughs> I love you, father. Actually, I learned how to put on cologne because of him. It's an art. It's an art. So, <laughs> he does. He does like that and he walks into it. It's, it's an art, man. It's magical. It's magical. If you've been to the back office before, before 9.30 huddle, you'll see him do it. I want to see all of you here on time next Sunday to watch that. We'll start 9.30 huddle with him putting on cologne if all of you promise to come. <laughs> so when, 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 church is awesome, man. I love it. So when they open up this container, listen, when they open up this container, anyone learning yet? Anyone having fun in the word? Okay, when they open up this container of alabaster, the whole house would be filled with the smell. Listen, it was strong enough that when the jar was opened, ready for its first use, everyone that is present smelled the aroma that was concealed, that was contained in the vessel called alabaster. Man, that's my dream and my desire that from the parking lot, people open their doors and go, what's that smell? And say, it's the people inside that building, man. My God, they reek like God. They're oily. They smell like God. They're dripping. I mean, just, just leave drip stains everywhere. Just pour oil all over this place, all over the sanctuary. Oil. All over our beards, all over our clothes. All over. Mm. When, when you would walk in and open that jar, everyone knew, wait a minute, something very, very costly has been poured out. When Jesus pours out from you, something very costly has been poured out. All you got to look at is the price of the cross. When Jesus starts to move, that's why like this stuff about limiting church and trying to have church for 30 minutes only. Like I can't do that to Jesus. You know why I can't have church for an hour long only? Because he's worth too much for all of us to get together and come and celebrate for an hour only. There's no way. If he wants us to go 10, we're going to go 10. And if you all want to stay for 10, we'll do 10 together. But is it worth it to you to stay? Is it worth it for that oil to smell? I'm not hurrying it. Not anymore. Trust me. I would have done it two years ago. Not anymore. You know why? Because I'm counting the cost now. It's worth it to me. And it should be worth it to you. Hmm. So I would like to say this. Ready? That yes, this is two women who give from a place in which it cost them. They gave something of great value to the one who is of greater worth. They gave something of great value, actually a year's wage. Very expensive to someone who is of greater worth than that container and what it holds inside. So ready? What container and what it holds inside, what's of greater worth and value? Maybe you'll get that on your own. But, but, could this, but could this be the revelation as well that this precious stone, come in, let's talk about the Shulamite woman again. Let's talk about the bride and her beloved. He was all these things. His lips were like lilies. His, all these, and his legs were legs of alabaster. Remember that? You haven't forgotten about that, have you? So, so could this be the revelation that the precious stone, the greater alabaster vessel, which was concealed until the New Testament, would now be open for the world to smell. And everyone who saw him 
and everyone who heard him would smell and hear the aroma that he would give off. How do I know that's accurate? Because when the Pharisees grabbed two hitmen to go and arrest him while he was preaching to the crowds, they came back empty-handed and they said, have you two become one of the disciples? And they said, we could not lay our hands on him for we'd never heard words like his. What are they saying? The aroma was too strong to even touch. So, so could the revelation of the woman pouring oil from an alabaster vessel, could it be as simple as, as before you, standing before you, is the great alabaster vessel himself. It is the great alabaster vessel himself that from him pours the greatest riches. From him pours the greatest light. Like from him is all purity and holiness and everything that is unspoiled. It comes from that which the alabaster sitting and standing before you and his name is Jesus. Could it be that revelation? That as the women are bringing their oil with alabaster to the feet of Jesus, what's really happening there is, is they're not presenting alabaster necessarily to him. It's, it's, it's alabaster container to alabaster himself. They're bringing it where? Where did she bring it to? To his what? That which is made to the Shulamite woman of alabaster. She brought it to the place of alabaster, which, which the, the bride says his feet, his, his legs are like alabaster. And where do they take the alabaster? To the alabaster. Part of his body. To the alabaster. So the bride of Solomon goes to describe those legs of her beloved as alabaster columns. And we find the woman in Luke 7 anointing his feet with this oil. <laughs> For a long time, I could always remember be hearing and preaching that I've, I've always preached this and I've always heard this. To come with your costly box and break it at his feet. How many of you have heard that? Come with your costly box and break it at his feet. But I felt two weeks ago the Lord speak to my heart to say this. No longer just come with your alabaster box, but come as the alabaster box. I'm not just coming with it. I'm coming as it. <laughs> I'm moving the preaching. I'm, I'm jumping from one preaching to the other one. I'm no longer bringing the alabaster. I am the alabaster. I am the container. I am the jar. At his feet, the alabaster container is offered. The alabaster container at his feet. The alabaster, you getting this? At his feet, the alabaster container is poured out. The alabaster container is offered. Listen, it's offered. It's pouring out from, from within that container. And it's spilling out that which is most costly. The only way to come to Jesus is to his feet to pour out from you that which is most costly. So I'm coming to his feet with what? With everything. What's that? All my worth. All that I find worth in. Like an alabaster box. So we're to be positioned at his feet. At the place where his legs and feet are. What the bride of Solomon would call the alabaster columns. And I came and I come right before him. As an alabaster box. The alabaster vessel before the alabaster box. There is legs of alabaster columns. And there is a flask named alabaster himself. And I started to think about that as I read that. I said why is alabaster being presented to alabaster legs? And I recognized because the only way that that could identify itself. Is because it identifies itself with that which it kneels before. So that which it kneels before is called alabaster. So that presented before him also becomes alabaster. What does that mean? Re-identification. I now take his identity. Where do you take the identity of Jesus? Pouring out at his feet. The alabaster vessel at the alabaster feet. 
I'm transformed. It's, it's not necessarily because I'm made from what he's made from, but it's because I'm transformed at this place. And I now take on his image. It is the place where you take on beloved's identity, our beloved's identity, our beloved, our alabaster. Listen, our precious stone that is opened in the New Testament, revealing all that is in him, giving us now, when you, when you open up the alabaster um, jar, what is released there now is a fragrance. So what is, the, what is released from our alabaster column? It is the fragrance of heaven. It is the face of God. Philip, how many times have I preached this here? Philip says, show me the Father. And he says, if you've been with me long enough, you've seen the Father. Because he's pouring out the face of the Father. I'm alabaster. Man, I, I, if I'm opened and I'm revealed, no longer concealed like I was in the Old Testament, you'll see the face of the Father. You'll smell the fragrance of heaven. Why do you think all of Jesus' teachings begin as what? The kingdom of heaven is like, 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 the kingdom of heaven is like. Let me tell you a parable story about the kingdom of heaven is like. Why? Because the seals open and his fragrance is that of the kingdom. So what is he going to talk about? The kingdom of heaven is like. It's beautiful, giving us the fragrance of heaven, the face of God, the words of God. Listen, at his feet, we become the vessel which will carry now the same fragrance, the same ointment, the same oil in these now vessels of alabaster. Open me up, Lord. Why? So my fragrance could fill the room. So my fragrance could. We, we sang a song, fill me up. Overflow. What is that? Container. Pour out. Let my container flow so that I could speak heaven's truths. I could show God's face. I could reveal God's heart. You know, you know that Jesus can't come back on earth and do it. When he comes back on, in his next coming, it's a whole different purpose. So what does he do? Ambassadors do it. His agents do it. You are Jesus' walking. You are alabaster boxes. Seals been broken and it's open. To show the fragrance of heaven. How many of you could say amen? Hallelujah. As a stone of alabaster in Solomon's temple would contain the presence of the Lord, whom we know in the Old Testament as Yahweh. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone, as Paul would describe him in Ephesians, Ephesians 2.20, would also contain the presence of the fullness of God. Ephesians 2.20 says that Jesus contains the fullness of the presence of God. What is, what is, what is Paul saying in Ephesians 2.20? The seal has been opened. And, and from Jesus... The fullness of God has spread to the world. You know why this world is still being contaminated by the gospel of Jesus Christ? And a contaminated is a good contamination. Because the vessel is open. Our beloved who is no longer sealed but open for all to receive him. How many of you could say amen? So what do I say now? Here we are. Everyone say here I am. Everyone say alabaster. Yeah, I'm a vessel. Do you know that the Bible actually calls you vessels? Yeah. The Bible says that you are a vessel. A true vessel. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you what kind of vessel I am. I'm a vessel of alabaster that will keep it pure from contaminating. That's what we're called to do. Why do you think Paul says, I preach to you the church so that one day I could present you holy and pure before the Lord? What is he saying? I too am an alabaster column. I too am an alabaster box. And my job is to keep that which is in me and that which I pour into you pure, unadulterated. We count the cost, man. We release the fragrance that is most costly to us. It's heaven coming out of us for all to see in here. We count the cost. We see what it's worth, our greatest place of giving. Let it be seen. Let it seep. Let it ooze out of the precious vessels like that of alabaster stone that have been transformed. I wrote this down, being fixated at the feet of our beloved. Where then what comes out from us are the sounds 
the images, the words, the truth, the love, and the fragrance of heaven. We will count the cost. Will we count the cost? Master worship team, we will count the cost to no longer just bring our alabaster vessel of great worth. Listen to this. Not just bring our alabaster box of great worth, but what? But what? Not just bring, but what? Become the alabaster box of great worth and the great worth that's inside of it. The alabaster vessel of great worth, the alabaster vessel of great worth, giving back at his feet. Listen to what I wrote here. The best that is in me. And may we get to the place where it's no longer just my sin, just my pride, just my error, just my faults, just my shortcomings. But the place where I'm always pouring out, oh, just my worst, always my worst. But let it also be the place where I can be transformed, where I can also give him what? Pour out my best. That it, would, that it would become the aroma, the fragrance of heaven poured out to him. Beloved, and that everyone in the room would smell it when the wax seal is open. Man, he's giving from his best. Because as a church, we do very well by always saying, you got your sinner, you're a sinner. We remind you that you're a sinner. And very often, we forget to remind you that you're, all, you're also the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. That you're also set apart and holy. The New Testament is constantly reminding you who you are in Christ. The New Testament constantly because we do so well by being condemned and by others condemning us. So I'm starting to believe, listen to this, that this woman who would be known to us as the great town harlot is not just bringing to his feet to anoint him with the costly perfume. These are all things that God was showing me. But that would, represent, that would represent her worst and her sin that she would use to seduce men to make money and build clientele. But this woman now, listen, is anointing his feet, not with the worst she has, but with the best that she finds and that she has. And it becomes that that is, that is poured from the place of transformation where she is totally changed. How do I know that? I'm going to read it one more time. She brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, verse 38. She stood at the feet of Jesus behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head. She kissed his feet, and the last thing she did, she anoints him with oil. What, what am I saying? She weeps, she kisses, and then she anoints. She weeps, she kisses, and then she anoints. Don't just be good at just coming with your sin and coming with your problems and how horrible you are. And we do a very good job of always reminding you of that. But it's time that we could also remind you that you are also holy and that you are pure and you are capable of giving, not just from the worst place, but you're capable of giving from a greater place of honor. You're capable of giving from a better place. How many of you want to be transformed? Oh, I'm going to just come again with my same sin. I get it. We all struggle. But is that where you stop with God? You always give from your worst? The alabaster held which, that which was best. How about if we start pouring to him that which is best? To allow transformation to occur, that your givings may change. From weeping to kissing and then to anointing. Take response. Come on, what does it cost as we end? What's it worth? Is it worth everything? Then, then what, what are you called to respond then? Respond. What, what do I do? Run to alabaster legs. With what? As the alabaster box. And what? Live your life poured out before your beloved. Be the vessel of great worth broken out before your beloved. 
So I end with 2 Timothy. And I'm going to show you how we are called vessels. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let's go ahead and let's turn there. Hallelujah. I wanted to read the whole passage, but I'm going to stop right here. I'm going to start in verse 20. And maybe you could read the whole passage when this week with, you, with the Lord, with, with your alabaster. Hallelujah. Verse 20 says it this way. I have the new living here with me today. But it says this. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. But some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions. And the cheap ones are for everyday use. Look at verse 21. Alabasters, look at verse 21. But if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. And your life will be clean. And you will be ready for the master to use you for every great work. That's, that's what we want to be, man. There's believers who are faithful and useful in serving him. And there are believers who fail to honor him. May we be vessels of alabaster. Ready? Keeping ourselves pure. Us, that we will be made a special tool for the Lord, for honorable use, clean, ready for my beloved to do his beautiful work. There ain't no place where you can hide. Amen. Can you stand with me there as we come before the Lord here. Hallelujah. I want you to close your eyes there and just meditate and seek him. I believe that this message is a message that will continue probably throughout this year. A message that will continue to speak to us throughout this year in different forms, in different ways. Just like the ten lepers will continue to speak to us in different forms, in different ways. But as you meditate there in your heart, I want to just pray with you. You can leave the lights, maybe put one light on and we're just going to close off. But this is what I want to do. I want you right there just to meditate deep within. I want you to recognize, is it worth it for you? I want you to see, like, am I going to count the cost here? I, I want you to search deep within and say, will I just not necessarily come with my alabaster, but will I come to my beloved as alabaster? Because from here on out, what comes out from me is that which is pure and holy. And I take on his image. His legs are like alabaster columns. And here I am being made at his legs being transformed at his legs so now I too hold what is precious what is pure what is holy what is set apart so that when it oozes out of me when it seeps out of me it would be the fragrance of the one that stands before me it would be the smell of heaven it would be the word of God it would be the face of God Call me alabaster. Call me alabaster. From now on, call me alabaster. That deep inside holds what is precious. I'm the vessel of alabaster. The instrument that could be used for my master in an honorable way for every good work. So um, let's pray. Let's pray over each other. If you're around someone, maybe put your arm around them. Maybe hold their arm and just begin to pray for them. Lord, as we close off in prayer, we thank you, Lord. And Lord, we honor you on this day. We thank you, Lord God, because we recognize that you are the great precious stone 
The Bible says that, that you are the chief cornerstone. It's not the first time that you're considered and you're called a stone. And the chief cornerstone, we come before you. And as we kneel and as we are living at your feet, we pray that we would take on your image and we too would become precious stones. Just like the New Testament says we are. That we are your stones now. And this passage says that we are your vessels and, and there are some of vessels of dishonor, but Lord, that we would be vessels of honor. And that we would take on your image and that from the place of your image that we would pour out from you and pour out of you. That when someone says, hey, show me Jesus, we can look at them and say, if you've walked with me long enough, you've seen his face. If you've walked with me long enough, you've heard his word. If you walked with me long enough, you smelled the aroma, the fragrance of heaven. Lord, let this be the place of transformation that we don't just come with the alabaster, but we come as alabaster, living a life that is pouring out, that is giving. And in the place of giving, we would see that there is the blessing that we really receive. We receive from our giving. And we're honored to do it before our beloved and his alabaster legs. Transform every individual, every marriage, every single person, every young person, every older person. Transform us in every place, in every dynamic of life that we're in, in every season that we're in, in every trial, Lord, in every disorder, Lord God, that you would bring order, Lord God, in every crooked path that you would make it straight, oh God. Lord, I pray that you would bring forth transformation upon your sons and daughters in here. And that, Lord God, at the place of your feet, at the place like the Shulamite bride woman before her beloved that she right there is transformed and that just like Mary is transformed and just like the sinful woman is transformed that all of that disorder and all of that stuff would be transformed and that we would Lord move on from a place of constantly giving you our worst to now a place of constantly giving you our best hallelujah so Lord we love you and we thank you and we ask for this mighty supernatural work thank you for everything that has happened throughout this service continue to speak to your sons your daughters in a very unique intimate way that transforms us lord we love you lord and we praise you today it's in the name of jesus christ and together we say amen amen if you could just give god a hand